All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. It's me. I'm back. I'm out of my house, Tim. I'm out of the cage. I'm so excited. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We're very excited to to be with you today, this morning. And I, well, it's a Monday night now. I'll probably get this out here Tuesday morning. But boy, Tim's back in North Carolina. I'm back at my office, my podcast haven. And we're out of the house. The kids are sleeping, Tim. All seven are tucked away in their little beds, and my wife's all tuckered out. So I'm out of the town. I'm in my office drinking a couple beers, doing a podcast. It's fantastic. How is everything going? How is the baby? How are the girls? How's Danielle? How's home? How are you? Home's small. Baby's doing great. Um, The two-year-old is not adjusting as well as I thought she would. She is, oh, she is just having a tough time. She was our (laughs) easiest kid. Like so sweet. So sweet. Eleanor was, she was just like no fault in this kid. Now all of a sudden we have Esther. Eleanor is getting clingy. She's getting mean. She's crying all the time. She's, and it's just completely out of character. And I'm just like, what is going on? So yeah, we're trying to battle through that, and you feel bad because you know she's going through it mentally. But on the same time, I'm like, I don't have time for this. Like, you yeah. got to figure, you got to figure out your stuff, kid. Like, let's go. She's only two, so of course I'm kidding. But yes, she is having a hard time adjusting to the new kind of family layout. Who gets most of the attention from mom? That's not her. Now it's Esther. She needs it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, it'll take a minute, I think, for her to kind of understand where she lays in the seven but other than that everything everything's great everybody loves it and it's hot it's a hot one this week so we're all outside just kind of hanging out hanging out in pirates cove we have like one of those bounce house water parks where it's got the slide it's got the bounce house it's got the ladder it's got the tunnel it's got the little mini pool kitty pool so we blow that up the kids have a good time and they're outside it's good yeah how was your trip back to north carolina tim was it nice to get back, see the dogs, see all your ladies probably waiting at the door for you. Tim, we missed you. Uh, they were at the airport. No, it was good. Uh, easy flights, flew back. Uh, dog was very excited to see me. Uh, he's good. He's still 
he's still dealing with some anxiety issues. I think really since the 4th of July, I think he's just super sensitive to that sound. And for some reason, like he just, we're going to the vet tomorrow to get him probably some medication. Oh, um, drug him, Tim. Well, we're going to the vet anyway to get a, a like a shot, but um, I'm going to tell him about the, his behavior. So yeah, they'll probably give him some kind of like anxiety meds or dog calming stuff to help him not be so nervous all the time. Yeah. He's just drug a peculiar up, dog. Ruin his personality. Yeah. That's the ticket. Make it Tim. easier for me. Right. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's not your fault, Tim. It's the dog's fault. Get him on some yeah. Xanax. It'll be super chill. He's already super chill though. That's the thing. It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to mellow him out anymore. I want to get a little bit more energy and excitement, but also, but also not be scared all the time. So that's, and part of it's too, it's only been a few months. He's a rescue dog. I have no idea what his history is. So got to be gentle. Got to be patient, you know? And then you abandoned him for a week and came to Trevor city. He's really great. Well, not again. I'm going up to Boston this weekend. He's coming with me. He's coming with me. I'm going to drive. So it'll be good to be up there. I used to have animals and no word of a lie. Every time we would take a road trip, Within the first hour, they would poop and puke in their cage every single time, every single time. And I have to like as a over. kid, you were a kid. No, no, no. Like when I was a grown up, because Danielle had two cats when I met her, and then we bought a dog, and they're just terrible to travel with. <laughs> it's like just mm. terrible, terrible, every single time, without fail. Bar for a poop. It was funny one time we were flying back from Houston, back to Michigan after I was finishing my season with the Arrows. And we, you couldn't bring the cat in the, the cabin, so you'd have to put him underneath the plane. And the vet was like, well, just give him some drugs, and they'll, they'll pass out, and then they'll wake up, and they'll be in Michigan. It'll be fine. So we did that, and we saw them packing them on the plane from the, uh, the concourse, and you could see one of the cat's arms hanging through the door of the cage. <laughs> she was just passed out. <laughs> I hated those cats. <laughs> I was just <laughs> like, kill that cat. So, but it was funny. Yeah. Now no pets for us anymore. Unless ah, I don't want to say that there's been bears. Might have to get a dog. We'll see. You know, it's just, would a dog take out a bear? I'd like to, I'd like to think it would scare it away. Maybe not. It probably would. And worse comes to worse if a dog sacrifices himself to save the, the people, the kids. You know, I'm sure not a bad way it. to go out. I would just hope the dog would alert me so I could come and take the bear out. That's the key. You no, you don't want to be eaten by a bear. I actually learned this. That's like one of the worst things you can be killed by because they don't have they don't go for the jugular and the instant death the way like a lion or a tiger would. They'll they'll slaw and cratch you, break a couple bones, hold you down, and eat you from wherever they feel like. They'll just start eating your leg while you're alive. From That's the butthole like, up, they won't kill you. Yeah. So yeah, it, good word of advice from our listeners: don't be eaten by a bear. It will not be enjoyable. I wouldn't. It's a black hurt. bear. Black bears are so timid. Oh, I would. I could take That's a black true. bear with a nice stick and/or a weapon. Okay, Tim. <laughs> you know, last episode was rushed. Well, obviously, I was holding my my little tiny newborn, sweet little Estelle or <laughs> Esther. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and we rushed through oh, a lot of things. We rushed through a lot of things, so we're going to slow down. We're going to slow down and look at things because there's been some more hockey news that has broke in the last couple of days. And you know, being a Calgary Flames fan, you think it can't get any worse, and then it does. And then it always does. They always say it's always darkest before pitch black. Everyone's always like, oh, it can't get any worse. It gets That's... worse. It gets worse. It gets worse. It's always okay. darkest before pitch black. 
because everybody is always saying it's always darkest before the dawn. <laughs> no, <laughs> isn't isn't pitch black the darkest though? But that's what they say. It's always darkest before pitch black. So it gets worse because okay. because the old adage is it's always darkest before the dawn. No, it can get worse, right. and it got worse for the Calgary Flames. We'll break into that, but first there was a couple trades, Tim, a couple minor moves, a couple major moves. Montreal Canadiens finally, finally granted Jeff Petrie his wish. The guy asked for a trade last year. He struggled mightily the year before. He he, he played a little better. When Martin St. Louis came in, he played a little better. He upped his play, but he he struggled mightily under the previous coach, DeHarnay. So they gave him a trade. They shipped him off to the Pittsburgh Penguins for Matheson and a fourth rounder. They also shipped off polling, Montreal did. And the amazing thing about this, the Montreal Canadiens did not eat any of Jeff Petrie's salary worth $6.2 million for three more years. That is a feat in itself. And Montreal manages to get a couple, a player and a fourth rounder back. That is an amazing trade, in my opinion, for the Montreal Canadiens. Petrie is a solid defenseman. He's played some really good hockey in his time. I don't think he's anywhere near a $6.25 million pick. Why, why is Pittsburgh doing this trade? I think I have an idea. I think it's a reactionary trade because I think someone got their, their uh, bum bum swatted in, in their GM's office. I think someone came in and said, Ronnie, Ron, I don't like where the team's heading. Let's go. I need some help. I, I don't have many years left. You made my friends sweat a little bit. In free agency, let's go. I need some. I need something more here. We're not going to beat the Tampa Bay's. We're not going to beat the Rangers. We're not going to beat the Carolina Hurricanes of the Worlds. They're all making moves. We need to make moves. That person being Sidney Crosby. Word on the street is he went into management's office and he said, "I don't like where this team's heading. I'm Sidney Stinking Crosby." Did you hear me? I'm Sidney Crosby. Let's go. And then they go and they trade for Jeff Petrie. They they shore up the back end. Jeff Petrie's a good goal, a good defenseman. But man, he makes a lot of money, Tim. What did you think of this trade? I liked it. I've actually liked it for both teams, like Montreal, to be able to un, you know load off that contract and still uh, not to retain any of it while still getting a serviceable NHL defenseman back. I think it's a good move for them. And then obviously Pittsburgh updates their defensive position, it, not only from Matheson, but they also uh, traded away John Marino, which we're going to talk about next. But I like that move. Petrie. Didn't look right last year. He had a really good season the year before where he was getting Norris votes. I think he finished like fourth or fifth, right? Like it was, he was really high. He had a great year two years ago. Yeah. And so that's what they, they want to kind of hone in on. But of course, Petrie's 34 years old. He's not now the highest paid defenseman on Pittsburgh's team, higher than uh, Latang, that his contract is signed. Three more years. This team was already old. They got a little bit older. Um, <laughs> it's. Yeah, and so this is the part that, that makes you nervous. It's like it doesn't really do much to open – it didn't do much to lengthen the window, but it did help their chances for the coming season or two. Again, I don't see Petrie – I don't see that contract aging too well. You know, at, at the third year of this, where he's still making six-plus million, he'll be 37. The way that he plays, has already had a few issues with his body breaking down. Pittsburgh's window, um, I don't know. Did this help him win next year? Is this going to help him? Well, I think in the immediate future it does. I think Jeff Petrie is a good defenseman. There's very few defensemen that can do what he does. He's six foot three, 210 pounds. He plays the body. He's a physical defenseman, but he also can put up decent points. The guy, you can lock him in. There was a good stretch in his career where it was like, okay, he's guaranteed 40 points. And as a defenseman, that's pretty good 
for a guy of his ilk where he, if he's not forced to be a, a power play guy, if he's not forced to be the, the, the top, you know, go-to guy for offense, he's a very serviceable 3-4 defenseman who can get you some good points. When he goes to Pittsburgh, the reason this works for Pittsburgh is they had a log jam on the left side. They really didn't have many right-handed defensemen. Yes, they had Jan Ruta, but they had so many guys on the left side. They had to unload somebody. They had to get someone to balance up the pairings, and he slides in nicely. He'll fill in next to Marcus Peterson. You'll keep Latang and Dumoulin on the first pairing. What this does do, Pittsburgh still has a log jam on the back end. They have eight defensemen under one-way contracts next year. With the salary cap where it is, a minor bump this year, $1 million, you can't be sitting two defensemen every single night just wasting away as a healthy scratch when you could be using that money for a decent forward to help your your forward lines. So I do think Pittsburgh will be active still. I think Ronnie Hextel still has a bunch of things he needs to do. Their team is better. Their team is better than it was last year. And their team was pretty good last year. Jason Zucker will be healthy. Crosby will have a whole year being healthy. Malkin should be happy. Who knows? But they are older. You hit the nail right on the head. This team... Their window is now. This is it. One year, maybe two years. When you look at their average age up front, it's 29 years old. When you look on the back end, it's 30 years old. That that usually is a sign there's there's trouble ahead. Like you better win now because in two years, ooh, it's gonna get ugly. And when you look at the length of these contracts, these guys are signed for Latang bang. He's 26, 27, his contracts over. Then you got a couple other guys, rust and Raquel. They're going to 27, 28 Malkin's three more years. Crosby's three more Malkin's four. Excuse me. These are longer term contracts. So this is it. This is Pittsburgh's window. They have one year, maybe two. How long do you think these guys can continue to be competitive, Tim? Because it's just, I think Sid will be able to do it. I think he's got the discipline. He he's in it for the long haul. I, I feel like he'll be a Tom Brady where he just, he seems to avoid contact, the, the dangerous types of contact. Yes. He's physical. Yes. He's not afraid to go into the corner. Sid never gets blown up. Sid never gets put in a bad position where he's like going to be injured. He, I think he knows how to protect himself because he got injured a few times when he was younger. He had a couple concussions. Everybody was nervous. And then he came back. I think the last few years he's really sorted himself out. I'm not worried about him. But do you see this team being competitive for two, three, four year, four years down the road? No. And you talked about like the average age of their team and that stat is kind of misleading because you look at their top six of forwards, the actual impact players are winning them games. It's 34, 35, Gentle's only 27. Then you got Zucker's 30. Brian Rust is 30. I would have guessed he was like 25. It feels like he just got here, but he's been in the league for like nine years already. And you got uh, Ricard Raquel, 29, Jeff Carter, 37, like, those are the guys, that's your top six, and it's going to be your top six for at least another year, probably two, because of the way these contracts are. So it's it's they're older than that 29 average that you mentioned earlier. So this is a win-now team. Like you said, they, they got a little bit over $2 million in cap space. They have a couple of things they want to do, including Casper Kapanen, who just filed for arbitration. So most of that money will go to him. They'll probably actually have to move, make a move or two in order to fit him, because I think he's going to want more than two. So, yeah, they got some things to figure out. Hextall is a good GM. He'll, he will figure it out. And I think this seems to be like a team that no matter how good they are, they all and, and you think they can't do anything else. They always make a move at the deadline. They always bring someone in. They make it work under the cap. I don't know how they do it. They've done it for 15 years. And so I think they'll probably do it again this year. Are they good enough to beat a, a Rangers or a Carolina or a Tampa? No, no, I don't think so. 
I, I don't think I, so either. I, I just yeah. think the way the last two, three years have shaken out Pittsburgh, they've been great. They've been there in the regular season. They've been fighting for the top spot, but it just seems like when, you know, the rubber meets the, meets the road, it's just, they don't have it. You know, they just don't have that extra boost or extra gear that they used to have in years past. It was like, we're not out of this. We'll score three or four. We'll hold you to 10 shots against. Like they used to beat you in a lot of different ways. And I just don't see them having that. And, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I, I would love to be proved wrong. I, I love Sid. I love the way Malkin plays the game. Latang has just been incredible his whole career. But I just don't see Pittsburgh being that competitive for a Stanley Cup. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But if you have Sidney Crosby, if you have Malkin, if you have Latang, you have to go for it. These guys are still productive. When you look at their stats last year, when you look at what you look at, they've done the last four or five years. There's been no sign of regression with these guys. They're still competitive. They're still produced or a point per game guys. And you have to reward that. You cannot just assume that, oh, you know what? He's 35. He's going to, you know, tank. Guys take care of themselves pretty good these days. They have nutritionists. They have personal trainers. They have people who count how long they sleep at night. They have everything mapped out so they can perform at a high level all the time. So it would not surprise me if Sid the kids comes back and has his best season ever in his whole career next year. That's just, it, it would not shock me at all. So who knows? Stranger things have happened. Look at the, look at the Stanley cup finals the last three years, Dallas made it. Montreal made it. Anything can happen to him. Anything can happen at all. So good for Pittsburgh. Go for it, man. I love that. Let's go. The arms race is wide open in the East. Everybody is just stockpiling weapons. Everybody, we want more and more and more. I love it. In the West, it's just like one team. Everybody's just resigned. Go Colorado. Colorado's going to win. Daryl Sutter said it during the regular season. Oh, I'd hate to play Colorado first round. They're a pretty dangerous team, boy. Everybody knows. Everybody knows in the West that Colorado is a juggernaut. No one is even close. No one is even close to them in the Western Conference right now. I don't even want to get into an argument. The team that I thought was the closest last year, Tim, they're not doing well. The team that I thought was earmarked for the Stanley Cup, the team that I thought you know had what it, what it took to win a Stanley Cup, they were balanced. They had good goaltending. They had strong defense. They were physical. They could beat you on the defensive end. They could outscore you. They had a good, solid coach. Well, their best player left in free agency and went to a Columbus Blue Jackets team that has no business signing him. Terrible Columbus Blue Jackets team. Their second best player, face of the franchise, Matthew Kachuk, didn't want to uh, opt into arbitration. Didn't want to get locked in with Calgary for two more years. So he just said, you know what? I'm not doing that. We'll negotiate. And if we don't, maybe I'll just sit out. I don't know. We'll see how this plays out. Played in hardball. I love it, Matthew Kachuk. The guy has not been happy since he got to Calgary. Played out his ELC three years. Held out again. Calgary offered him a little deal, probably a, a longer term, six, seven, eight-year term deal. And Kachuk's like, no, 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 no. We're not playing this game. I'm getting out of Calgary as soon as I can. So I'm not signing anything more than three years. Calgary balked. Kachuk said no. Calgary said please. Kachuk said beat it. They ended up paying Matthew Kachuk the highest salary ever given to a Calgary Flame at the time, three years, $7 million, exactly, exactly what Kachuk wanted, a bridge deal, which brings them to this point. Matthew Kachuk is 24 years old. What does a 24-year-old do 
in this stage of his career, he signs a long-term eight-year deal to stay with the team that drafted him. Right, Tim? It happens all the time. You see these deals, the McCars, the McKinnons, the Posternox, all these guys, this is what they do. Kachuk doesn't want to be in Calgary. He, he, the, the writing was on the wall the day he was drafted. There has been nothing he has done his whole career in Calgary that has made me think he's changed his mind. He wants to go. And now you're telling me the best player, his guy riding shotgun, the guy who fed him all those points. He got, he, what do you get this year, Tim? 100 and some points, 40 plus goals. You're telling me he's going to want to play with somebody else. <gasps> we're going to get Kadri. Maybe Kadri's not going to go to Calgary. Oh, we're going to get somebody else. Kachuk is as good as gone. And to put the, to put the, just the last nail in the coffin, an unheard of thing happened. Calgary Flames have elected to take Matthew Kachuk to salary arbitration. So dumb. So incredibly dumb by the Calgary Flames. I don't understand this move. Very rare that we see this. It's because it's so dumb. The way the salary arbitration works, the player usually opts in because the max term that the team can offer him is two years. So if they can't come to a deal, you go to salary arbitration, the player opts in, you can give them two years. If the number's too high, the team can walk away, and then the player's a UFA. The way it works, if the team elects to have the salary arbitration, the max term is one year. That's it. And if the player want, the player has to sign it, if the team wants to walk away, they walk away, the player's a UFA. The, the arbitrator could give Matthew Kuchuk $12 million. And, and all Matthew Kachuk has to do is sign it, and then the contract's valid. So it's it's I don't know why Calgary does this. There was a no-win situation here. If they really want Matthew Kachuk to stay long-term, you just hold out. You make him sit out and wait. You say, we're not going to let you walk. You are our property. You owe us more hockey here in Calgary. We drafted you. We want you to stay here. We own you, Matthew. They are giving him an out. This will be Matthew Kachuk's last year in Calgary. Mark my words. There is no way he resigns there. For how bad this team will be this year, well, they'll be good because they'll be in the Pacific, which is, I've, I've renamed it the Putrid Pacific. So he'll be in the Pacific. So he probably will make the Stanley or the, the, the playoffs, but they, they will be a bad team. And Matthew Kachuk will leave after this season. What do you think of this whole situation, Tim? I, I just spoke a long time because I this is a bizarre situation. This is very bizarre. What are your feelings on this? Well, the team broke the news earlier today and basically said in their in their little tweet statement that what this does by electing to arbitrate, which I'd never heard of before. Like you, you said it was rare. I didn't even know it was a thing. Um, but he said this provides us the opportunity to continue working with his representatives toward a contractual resolution. Here's the part that I think is important while removing the possibility of an offer sheet. So to think about why they did it, is that how, how much of a factor was that? Cause offer sheets are pretty rare. We had that one with Kakinemi last year, but they almost never happened. Do you think they were actually worried that someone was going to make an offer sheet or is that not really that big a deal? If I'm Calgary, I'm hoping someone makes him an offer sheet. Like, please someone offer him a six year term and then I'll just match it. And then I have this guy locked up for six years. I don't know why that would be an issue. They have almost $20 million in cap space. They didn't, they didn't land Johnny Gaudreau. The money will be there. Lucic is coming off the books next year. That's another 5 million. The money is not an issue for Calgary at this point. 
they have a decent team. You got Coleman, you got Lindholm, you got Toffoli, you got Dubé, you got Backland, you got a decent back end with Hannafin, Anderson, Tanev, Zadora. Like they're a good team. They showed it in the regular season. Markstrom was right up there with Shesterkin for best goal in the league for a long time. It's like, oh, he's got eight shutouts, nine shutouts. The guy's unbelievable. I would want someone to offer Sheik Kachuk that I could match. And I think Kachuk is smart. His dad has been through this. Keith Brady's been through this. There's no way he would assign an offer sheet unless it was an exorbitant amount of money. Like we're talking 13, 14 million dollars. Because if he does that, Calgary can match and he's stuck in Calgary where he doesn't want to be. He doesn't want to be there. And so so be it. But if I'm the Calgary Flames, I'm not making it easier for the player. What this does is you handcuff yourself because how do you trade this guy at the at the uh, trade deadline? Because they will trade him. They're not going to let him walk for nothing. So the trade deadline is going to roll around, and the team's going to sniff around Matthew Kachuk. They're going, well, he's going to sign a long-term deal. He didn't look like he really liked Calgary. What's what's he thinking about coming here? And Matthew's going to say, well, I only want to sign in a couple of different cities. I will be a UFA at the end of the year, and I'm going to test the market. So that changes his value right away. So there's so many aspects to this where Calgary loses. Matthew Kachuk gets to sign a big ticket for one year. He goes into free agency, lowers his trade value at the end of the year, and then you lose your best two players, bing, bing, in a matter of one year. And you're, and you're a mediocre hockey team now. Who's their first line after Kachuk and Goudreau are gone? They don't have one. You bump Toffoli up with Lindholm and Backlund. It's a bad team. It's a bad team. Mangiapani, it's not looking good, Tim. It's not looking good at all. Also, so, go ahead. Yeah, Mangiapani filed for arbitration as well. Um, which is a quote unquote, the, the normal kind, one of 24 players who did that today. So it might not be a big deal, but again, Goudreau's gone. All these question marks. Those are arguably your three best forward. Maybe Lindholm's in that group too, but Manjapani is a good little player. It's a lot of question marks. And so do you think, I asked you this before, do you think Goudreau, if he had signed last week in Calgary, that Kuchuk would have signed already? It would have sweetened the deal a little bit. But like I said when we started talking about this, I, I think Kachuk was on the way out as it was. I don't think Goudreau would have swayed him enough for him to stay. Yes. He liked playing with them. They're probably really good friends, but he doesn't want to be in Calgary. And, you know, you can't change his mind. He seems like a strong willed type guy. He's out the door. He's, he's had one foot out the door ever since he arrived in Calgary. And, you know, what are you going to do when a player doesn't want to be there? You can't, you can't force him to stay. You make the best of a situation. You can force him to stay a little longer. You don't opt into salary arbitration. You maybe let Matthew Kachuk sweat, let him sit out a month of the season, let him sit out two months of the season, see where it goes. Maybe you trade him then because he's still under term for one more year and a team can offer him a contract because you have to have that one year of service for Calgary. You can't just sit out until you're 25 and all of a sudden become a UFA. You're still their property. You're still an RFA. You owe them one year. So I don't know. Calgary seemed they, they folded. Maybe Matthew said, well, let's sign and we'll negotiate during the season. We'll see how it goes. Eh, he's out the door. In a matter of two years, in a year, they'll lose their two best players. It's crazy. It's crazy how things work. And they 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 did it themselves. They did it themselves. So what are you going to do? We're moving on. Calgary is not the toast to the town anymore. They will not be on my Stanley Cup radar this coming season. They will be, they'll be a good team, Tim. Not a great team. And it takes a great team. It takes a great team to beat the Colorado Avalanche. You know what else is great? It takes a great team to order DoorDash, Tim. It takes a great team to know when they're hungry. And it takes a great team to order DoorDash to fill that need 
When I'm hungry, when Tim's hungry, when you're hungry, you should order DoorDash. You should use our promo code. Go to DoorDash on your app, on your phone, on your computer, on your tablet. Smoke signals. I don't care. Use DoorDash. Use our promo code GLOVESDD if you're in Calgary. Get yourself some dessert and buckle up because it's going to be a rough couple of years. If you're in the USA, use GLOVESDDUS. You get 25% off. You get free delivery. And DoorDash loves it. I love it. Tim loves it. We all love it because DoorDash is great. Get your food when you want it. It's a no-brainer. Check them out. Does us a little favor. Boosts our little ego a little bit, and it gets you some food in your belly. So check it out. DoorDash. Promo code GLOVESDD if you're in Canada. GLOVESDD US if you're in the US of A. All right, Tim. What are we talking about now? Well, there was a great post shared last week that I that I shared with you talking about, you know, free agency about to kick off. Six years ago this month was a whole, you know, a, a similar free agent period, just like any other year. But there were a bunch of horrible contracts handed out. And we'll go down through the list here and read off a few of them. Uh, Milan Lucic, seven years, 42 million. Kyle Ocposo, seven years, 42 million. Andrew Ladd, seven years, 38.5. Louis Erickson, six years, six, 36 million. Franz Nielsen, six years, 31.5. David Backus, five years, $30 million. Troy Brower, $18 million. This is like three or $300 million combined for all these guys. For, I mean, most of them are, none of them are really barely NHL players anymore, or they're retired, or they're in the minors, or they're on the LTIR. Just bad contracts. They all aged horribly. Got me thinking about this year, some of the ones that were handed out. Which of those could be the next, you know, Lucic contract or David Backus contract? A couple of mine. A couple came to mind for me, Burakovsky, 5.5. I don't know if he's going to be worth that, although it's not a horrible contract. Uh, Trocek, seven years at 5.65. Brian Strom, 5.5. Nachushkin, eight times 6.125. And Ricard Raquel, six years at 5 million per. Any of these stand out? Do you think we'll kind of stay clear from those this year? Oh, no. They're <laughs> Tim, Tim, Tim. The... <sighs> There's some bad deals in there, and you you have to overpay to get these guys, especially if your teams that maybe aren't so competitive, the Buffalo Sabres of the world, the Seattle Kraken of the world, the Anaheim Ducks of the world. You're not a sexy destination as other places are. So there are some bad contrasts. The first one on the list that you mentioned, Burakovsky. Seattle Kraken are a bad hockey team. You know, they didn't have the luxury of the Vegas Golden Knights. No one knew what to do at the expansion draft. It was all new. There was lights. It was all shiny. The GMs just fumbled it. And Vegas was gifted a very good team, as we saw. The GMs were wise to it now. Seattle got a bad team. They protected the players they needed to protect. They traded away the guys that they couldn't protect. And it was just very well thought out by the other 30 GMs. 31, excuse me. Well, 30, because Vegas wasn't in on And Seattle ended up with a garbage team. So that's just why they have to overpay for Burakovsky. This guy has no business making this much money. If he does not win this Stanley Cup, he signs for $3.5 million. When you look at his stats, when you look at he's done, he's been put in positions where he should just be tearing up the world. He goes to the Washington Capitals. He gets the opportunity to play with TJ Oshie, Nicholas Backstrom, Alex Ovechkin, John Carlson, all these stud forwards who are elite out of this world forwards, so much talent. He puts up pedestrian numbers, pedestrian at best. 
His highest season in Washington, 38 points. His average season in Washington, 26, 26 points. Does that sound like a $5.5 million guy to you? Well, maybe not. Let's see. He goes to Colorado. Again, plays with world-class talent, Tim. World-class. He's playing with the Landeskogs. He's playing with the Rantanens. He's playing with the Cadres. He's playing with the Nishuskins. These are very good hockey players, and he's just he's just gifted a spot on their line. You've got to get 100 points. He's got to get 80. He's got to get 70, right? He's got to be up there. 45, 44, and 61 points. Yes, two of those years were shortened because of COVID. I get it. Nowhere near a point-per-game guy. Nowhere near the type of player that I would think would be getting a $5.5 million contract based on his line mates. 5.5 is high. That's a high number, especially with today's salary cap. When you look at Seattle's lineup now and you add him to the mix, it's just a bad team. Seattle will be very bad this year. They have a lot of high contracts and high by means 5.5. Eberle, Jaden Schwartz, Andre Burakovsky, Yanni Gord. Jared McCann, they all make five plus. Are any of those guys really, really good hockey players who make you nervous? You got a game plan for them? They're making $5 million a year. This is insane. This is, this is silly money that they're, that they're making. And they're all just average players. You know what I mean? Like, yes, they're good. Everly's good. Schwartz is good. Burkowski's good. Yanni Gord's great. We saw what he can do. $5 million? Tim, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. When you think Dreinsidel makes 8.5, that's what now, I was saying. Okay, he makes 8.5, and you're making 5.5. Am I, am I that close to, to Dreinsidel? McKinnon makes 6.3. That's insane. The, the, the definition of like a really good contract for a GM and a contract that gets you fired. McKinnon's whoever signed that guy to that contract, you – you should be able to do whatever you want forever. Like that's the best contract I've ever seen in hockey. It's, it's silly how good that contract is. So anyways, moving on to the next one, Vincent Trocek, another guy you think of, you think of that name. Oh, he's, he's, he's has to put up tons of points, right? Vincent Trocek. The guy's been pedestrian his whole career. He had one good year in 17, 18, where he just, everything clicked. The Panthers were terrible. They were trying to score as much as they could, and he, it clicked. He had 75 points. Other than that, his, his high is 53. That's it. That's not a lot of points in today's game when you're a first-line NHL player, and he's getting 5.65. That's another bad contract. But the only thing with that one is, I'll put a caveat to it, a little asterisk, he will get a chance to play with very good players with the New York Rangers. So this contract might look good down the way because – when you're Vincent Trochik and you're looking at free agents, you go, okay, where do I go? Where do I go? Where do I fit? Oh, oh, okay. I can go play with Panarin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's do that. That sounds good. And you're going to give me almost $6 million? Okay, that sounds good. This contract will look good for Trochik and the Rangers just because he's gifted, like I said with the Brinkett, he's gifted the position to play with Alex or, or, or Tammy Panarin. Alex DeBrinkett was gifted the position to play with Patrick Kane. So the contract will look okay, but Vincent Trocek is this. Put him in Seattle, he's going to get 25 points. And maybe I, maybe there's a contradiction there, but I feel like if you're making that much money, you should be able to make the players around you better. You shouldn't have to rely on another guy to make you better. 
That's all I'm saying. Because you could pick another guy, not a Joe Schmo, but another goal scorer, another good player, and put him next to Panarin or Kane, and they would produce that much, and they would cost half as much. I said it. Suck it, Trochek. Suck it all the way to the bank. Trochek's a very good two-way player, though. Even if he's not scoring, he's a he's a Who very cares? good player. Defense doesn't win champ. Defense isn't sexy. <laughs> Who cares? No. Okay, but for me, I think worse than either of those two is going to be that Ricard Raquel contract. That one doesn't make any sense to me. I, I can't imagine why he's worth $30 million at this point. He's had two good seasons in 16-17 and 17-18 where he scored back-to-back 33 and 34 goals. And this is back when Getzloff was not 100 years old. Too. He was playing on the top line. He clicked. Perry was still there. Um, he didn't do anything the last five years. The last five years, 43 points, 42, 28, 28, 13 last year. Um, it's just – sorry, the, the 28 and 13 was over the course of – two teams in one season. He got traded last year, but still it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. And you got that, you know, that potential there where maybe he can be back to being a 30 goal scorer. If he's playing in the top six with Crosby or Malkin, I get it, but $30 million. Why is he worth that? It seems to me like, okay, this is a, Hey, let's take a shot at this guy and see if it works out low risk, high reward type of thing. But how is he earning that much money? And if you have $5 million to give to someone per year, why is he the one that you sign? Like some of these other players are signed for similar values and they're better and more reliable than him. So this one doesn't make much sense to me. Again, Pittsburgh's window is small. So the fact that it's a five year or six year, six years, six years, John, the fact that it's six years won't matter as much because they'll be bad by that point anyway, and they won't need the cap room. But yeah, this is, this one's tough for me. This takes him to his age of 35. It's a bad one. You know, I I wonder how the dynamic will be in the locker room between between him and Yevgeny Malkin. Because Malkin doesn't seem like a chill guy. Malkin doesn't seem like a guy who will forget things. He seems like a guy who holds grudges. And he's going to walk in that room, and he's going to look at Ron Hextall, and he's going to look at Ricard Raquel, and he's going to go, you sons of bitches. You signed him before you signed me. And he's going to just say something in Russian and walk out of the room. Because I'm Evgeny Malkin, and you signed this schmelt to $5 million, and you were checking your pockets for quarters to give me 6.1? Are you kidding me? So, yeah, I don't get this contract at all. He's a good player, like you said. He's, he's a good third-line guy. He's a good third-line guy who can spot in on the first-line role when you need to. But if you think you're going to be a really, really good team, a competitive team, and slot him in on the first line and win a Stanley Cup, I guess maybe if you got Mal- or, uh, Crosby and Gensel, they work so well together. They've kind of slotted in a lot of guys in there, and it's worked well because they have just such great chemistry. You know, they put Zucker in there at work. They put Rust in there at work. They put anybody in there. They- Crosby's just so incredibly good. Out of the five guys we mentioned, Burkowski, Trocek, Strom, Nashuskin, and Raquel, which one is the worst out of those five, in your opinion? Um. Well... Some of these might be bad contracts, but they won't hurt their team as much. Like if Trocek doesn't work out and the Rangers would be competitive, except for the fact that they can't make any moves because they're saddled with this contract, that's that's a major flaw compared to Seattle, which probably won't be competitive for the length of Burkowski's contract anyway. You know what I mean? So they're slightly yeah. different. But I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Raquel. I just he's not putting anything close to what the other guys are doing. It just he's got the goal scoring potential. $30 million makes zero sense to me. 
So and his age is me. tough. I agree. His age is tough. He signed for a long term. The other guys are relatively young. I guess Strom's the same age as him, but yeah, it, it's a, they're like all Strom. they're not, they're not. That's the thing. You look at these. Okay, five for five million, five for five million, eight for six. But Nishushkin is young. He he works in Colorado. It's just like you look at like the Lucic, Okposo, those ones. It's like oh boy, they're not as bad as that one. I don't think I don't think you're touching those ones. Those are very very bad contracts to the point where it's that's like, a pretty oh. special list. That's some, that, that's something special happened that year. That's, that's like the sure. draft of 08 or was it 03 where everyone looks back? It's like that was the best draft of all time. This will go down as the worst free agency period of all time. Like there was a lot of money thrown around, and it's just like oh, a lot of bad contracts. All right, Tim, what else we got on the docket here? Let's wrap up with some quick hits. Was only oh. presented by PointsBet. So the first one, I this is really interesting to me. I always like hearing behind-the-scenes stuff when it comes to the draft and the player interviews and the workouts and the reason teams take one guy over another. And so Shane Wright, projected to be number one, ended up going four. Elliot Friedman and Chris Peters from TSN confirmed that Shane Wright's attitude was the primary reason he fell on draft night. They also mentioned that many teams questioned his work ethic at the scouting combine, citing that some believe he may not have the same passion that NHL scouts look for. Another thing that came up was they were asking him why he chose not to play overseas during the pandemic, and they believe that it contributed to the lack of his development in his draft year. So some of this explains. Now, this doesn't necessarily explain why all three teams passed on him, but it certainly explained why Montreal didn't take him first overall. What do you? What comes to mind when you think about this? Oh, red flags. Yeah, if, if there's any inkling that there's a work ethic issue with a player that you're going to draft one overall you you punt and you pick the next player. We've seen guys draft a number one overall who have bad work ethic. Neil Yakupov. Right there. The guy did not want to work. He did not want to do the things that you need to do to be a successful NHL player. And you're the number one overall pick for Pete's sake. I've played with guys who are very high-end, very high-end talents. And they have no work ethic at all. And you can have the best hands in the world. You can have the best skill set in the world. If you don't have that work ethic, ugh, nothing you can do with you. Nothing at all. And if, if you're a GM and you are betting your career, basically, on this pick, if you have any inkling that this guy has no work ethic or even he could potentially not have the same work ethic as a guy standing be- behind him, you don't pick that guy. So uh, I, I, I'm there. I, I, I enjoy that. I think, it's, I think it's a very honest answer. And if you think that about Shane Wright, Good. I hope they, Shane Wright proves him wrong. He's saying all the right things. He's like, I got a chip on my shoulder. I can't wait to go and play Montreal. Fantastic. I hope he fights the number one overall pick, the guy from uh, Slovakia, and they just go at it. I hope that happens. It'll be fantastic. It'll be like uh, Magic and Bird. It'll be great Crosby Ovechkin. It'll be a fantastic little thing if it comes to fruition, but maybe it doesn't. Maybe it just ends up being a Sagan Hall thing where it's just like, man, nothing really came of that. These guys are decent hockey players, but it wasn't all that was made out to be. So very fun, Tim, very fun, but I don't really care. I hope he has a good work ethic, but if, if the signs are there, you, you cannot, you can't go all in on a number one overall pick when you have that. What was that movie? It was draft day, the so, Cleveland Browns. So good. Such a good very, movie. Very similar to this situation. Kevin Costner nailed it. He's like, I'm not drafting that quarterback. And he went out and he got his Vontae Jones or whatever that guy's name was. And the Cleveland Browns went on to win multiple Super Bowls. All right, what else are we talking about, Tim? 
Well, no real free agents have signed since we talked at the end of last week. And the two big ones, Klingberg and Kadri, are still there. Punch a whole bunch of extras. Um, so according to a league source, multiple teams are trying to clear space and attempt to sign Nazem Kadri. And the center wants to be on a contender. He's ruled out the teams that are not contenders. But with all the moving pieces, the team's cap situations, it's going to take some time to, to unfold. So a lot of speculation that he was going to return to Colorado. That's why he hasn't signed yet. But now it sounds like some other teams are moving some things around to make room for him. There's obviously not a lot of competitive teams and cup contenders that have cap space. So this still could take another week to sort itself out. Yeah, I, th- I think he ends up in Colorado. I've heard from a little birdie. The Avs are trying to move some money around. They have some contracts that they need to figure out. They have a little room right now, a couple million bucks, but word on the street is they're shopping Samuel Gerard. He's on the market. He's a good young defenseman. He's 24 years old. He's under term for another five years. So you could pick this guy up. He can be your number one power play guy. Let him go. Let him be the Kale McCarr of your team. That way, Colorado frees up his money. They have enough money to sign Nazim Kadri. maybe make another couple tertiary minor moves. And then, boom, you got Kadri back in the lineup for six more years, and everything's good. So I, I feel like that's the direction it's going with Nazim Kadri. I think he's waiting for Colorado to see if they can make a move, and then he'll sign with them. But if not, I don't know where he's going to go. It's a crapshoot. All the, all, the, all the good competitive teams, they don't have any money. So he's sitting there spewing out this stuff. I won't even want to go to a contender. All the contenders are broke, Nazim. They have no money. So two things they, these two things can't exist. So either a team makes money, makes room for him, and he signs. But right now, as it stands, no competitive team, in my eyes, that has a chance to win a Stanley Cup has enough money for a cadre. Unless they make a move to make it happen. So I'm excited to see where he goes. I think people are, I think he's being a little overrated right now. I do think he's a very good player. I think you're in a luxury position when you're in Colorado and you're a second line center and everything is focused on that first line. All the defensive attention is being focused on that first line and you get the luxury of just playing against whoever with very good line mates like we talked about. So I don't know. He's a good player, but if that guy, if he, if he gets nine, $10 million, that's too much money. That's too much money for him. Don't you think? So I don't know. We'll, we'll see how this shakes out, but where do you think he ends up Tim? Where's a good landing spot for Kadri? Well, I'm looking at the rosters now. And like you said, there's really not any teams that have both cap room and they're a competitive team. I would say one possibility just based on numbers, not based on anything I've read Nashville predators have about eight and a half million left. They're a playoff team. They just signed Forsberg. I think they will be better. Um, that could be a situation where it works out. The Red Wings are building towards something. They've got plenty of cap space. But the, the Islanders, maybe. Um, I expect those teams to bounce back. But kind of the Stars have some room. I don't see them having an upward trajectory. A lot of these teams are further out. Calgary, maybe. But that sounds like a – I don't know. Calgary could be a, could be a team. They're not Especially a contender. If, Yes, they are. They're no, a contender. No, they're not. You're crazy. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Well, yeah, we'll see how it works out. Okay. Um, the next thing here. So so I mentioned already 24 players around the league signed for arbitration or filed for arbitration today, um, including some big names like Manjapani, Zaka, who the Bruins just picked up, Puglia Yarvi and Yamamoto from Edmonton. Get to the big name, Tim. <laughs> Drum roll, please. Isaac Lundstrom. Your boy. Isaac. Lundstrom. What's he worth? He's gonna he's gonna ask for at least ten, right? 
Well, that's the thing. It's hard to value intangibles, right? You can't put a price tag on what he does and brings to the team. He's a 22-year-old centerman who just does a little bit of everything. You know, he's from Galviar, Sweden. The Sweden! He's very strong. He's 22. You know, he's a great hockey player. We saw what he can do. He put 29 points on the board this year, and he wasn't even trying. So (laughs) I don't know. I, I think a good number for Lundstrom, and I'll be honest here, I'm not going to play a character, but I think you get him for 1.5 for four years. I think that's a good number for him. Maybe $2 million. Okay, here's a question, though. Does Lundstrom get up and down the ice? Oh, my goodness. Like he gets up and down. Does, yeah. The guy gets up and down the ice. So I wish I had a pun to throw in there, but I don't. I don't. Not for this show. It's a family show. But yes, Isaac Lundstrom, good for him. He'll he'll sign a nice four or five year deal. I think they'll they'll come to an agreement before he hits arbitration. A lot of this stuff from the players is posturing. It's like, oh, okay, I'm going to go to arbitration. It's it's not often that it actually makes it to arbitration. You know, some I bet you half of these guys go to arbitration. The other half will sign a deal and avoid the whole messy scenario altogether. All right, for a friend of mine is retiring. Tim Andre Sequeira played with him. Good guy. We called him Sicky. Very, uh, very friendly guy. 842 games, 16 seasons. Good for him. I think he finished up in Dallas, the Dallas Stars. So, yeah, good little defenseman. Not really heralded, but just 16 years. It's a long run for him. I did realize he was still in the league. He came up in, I think, 06, 07, something like that. And he was pretty much a full-time player for Buffalo right away. So, I just didn't maybe back then didn't realize how young he was at the time. So yeah, long, long career. I was reading. He's one of the the best Slovakian defensemen ever to play the game. I don't know who the other big Slovakian defensive names are, but he's up there. Good, good little career. Like you said, he's a, he's been around forever and the league, the league will never be the same with him gone. No, it won't. All right. Is that it? (laughs) (laughs) No, that's, that's my whole agenda, John. You want to talk about anything? How are no, you? No, I don't. We're going to get Kirby Doc on the on the podcast on Thursday, so we're excited to have him on. We had to cancel him because my wife was selfish and had her baby. But we'll get Kirby on Thursday. Then we got a couple big guests lined up for next week. Tim was all no nervous. He's like, all these other shows are getting interviews. We got to get some guys on. So it's pop. True. So it's dad, true. daddy, daddy hit the phone, and we got three interviews lined up in the next week and a half. So very exciting stuff. Very exciting. Right, Tim? That's right. And by the way, if, uh, Kirby Doc, next week, send your interview question, whatever you want us to oh, It's Wednesday, right? This week. This week, Tim. Yeah. Tweet at us, drop a comment, whatever. Let us know what you want us to ask him about. It'll be a good interview. He's been on the show once before. He's a nice kid. Friend of the show, Kirby Doc, just got shipped out unceremoniously by the Chicago Blackhawks. I want to get some insight on how dysfunctional it was in Chicago. Like, I want him, him to spill the beans. What's going on? Why is everybody so upset? Why are you so bad? And is he excited about going to Montreal? That being said, thank you for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you guys on Thursday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.